When it comes to Kubernetes, one of the ways to have influence is to be involved in a special interest group or SIG. There is a SIG called SIG Auth related to authentication. And in terms of talking about authentication configuration, things like JWT tokens, it's important to be in touch with someone like Maxime. He's in this episode of CubeFM telling us all the things that you need to know when it comes to authentication configuration, all the things that go into that, as well as updates that came in the last version of Kubernetes 1.29. This episode is brought to you by Learn Kubernetes. Learn Kubernetes is a training organization that offers courses to help folks level up their Kubernetes career, learning all the things that they need to know. 60% of the courses are hands-on and practical, and 40% are theoretical. You can join them in person or from the comfort of your own home. You'll have access to the course material for the rest of their, your lives, and they are given by amazing instructors that can help you improve your Kubernetes skills. Let's get to the episode with Maxi. All right, Maxime, welcome to CubeFM. To get started, if you were to install three new tools on a brand new Kubernetes cluster, which ones would they be and why? Uh, okay, this question is a little bit difficult because there are, uh, so if you're uh, familiar with CNCF uh, landscape, there are myriads, hundreds of uh, different tools that helps you do X in your Kubernetes cluster. So there are a lot of them, but Probably the first thing I would like to install will be some tool to manage my cluster configuration. Probably some GitOps thing like Argo CD or Flux CD uh, because I'm not a big fan of GitOps, but uh, at least this will provide you necessary capabilities to manage your configuration. So let's, let's, let's go with the uh, first thing, uh, some say. Uh, uh, some uh, GitOps tool, yeah. So this will be the first thing. So the next one, probably the CNI plugin, because uh, you know CNI makes networking in your cluster a lot easier. Yeah. So this is a choice by default. So I will uh, usually uh, we tend to choose between. Uh, I don't know, Cilium or Kaniko or other CNI plugins, but uh, my pick will be Flannel. <laughs> this is maybe not an obvious choice, but uh, this is a good piece of software that proved uh, to be uh, doing its job. So I would like to mention the Flannel just because it's the old player. Uh, so this, this is the second tool. And the third one probably will be, I don't know, Dex, because I'm the maintainer of Dex. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's let's make it uh, Dex, the third chase. Okay, good. Well, we'll I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Okay. Um, that being said, uh, tell me more about you know what you're doing, uh, where you work, who you work for. Uh, so I am working. Uh, so currently, I am working for the company called uh, Pelerk. Uh, we are based in Germany. And we are a service company, so we provide the thing called DevOps as a service. So we provide you a fully uh, functional DevOps team with the project manager, with team leader, and then they can do whatever you want uh, in terms of DevOps, in terms of automatization, in terms of supporting your infrastructure. Uh, usually I say that we do digital transformation. So if you want the digital transformation, but you don't know how to do this, we can help you with this. And you, if you don't have enough hands to do the job, we can do it for you. And we also can 
help you with your production 24 7 so we also have support uh, that's it that's what we are doing and uh, i'm personally in charge of developing our internal tooling so our tools uh, for like a common tools to provide for our clients and i'm in charge of building our internal kubernetes based platform that's it so usually i search for the best open source solutions on the market and plan how to integrate them into our platform for our clients this is uh, like mostly this is my job <laughs> okay good <clears throat> yeah in, so this is this is uh, uh, about work but in my free time i was uh, because i for while i'm working i'm more managing people than writing the code so in my free time i like to write the code yeah so i am um, I like to work with the community, with open source projects, so I contribute a lot to Cloud Native Computing Foundation. I also like to contribute to Kubernetes, uh, mostly to things related to authentication. I don't know why, it's just because of some historical reasons, I don't know. Yeah, I also contribute some features to Kubernetes authentication. Um, in combination with team, uh, with team members of uh, special interest group auth, uh, so auth and auth that all this stuff, and uh, I am uh, I also uh, I am a part of the Dex team. I am one of the core maintainers. Uh, Dex is an open AD connect provider with pluggable connectors. We will make, I hope we will be able to talk about this later. So uh, that's what I am doing now. Fantastic. And how did you how did you get into cloud native? You know, like you said, you're talking about digital transformation, DevOps as a service, maybe platform engineering as a service in the future. But how did that journey start for you? The first thing, uh, like the first time I saw cloud native technologies was when I started working in my current company. So before that, I didn't have chance to work with cloud native. Uh, I usually worked with bare metal servers. So yeah, this was the first time. And uh, I was amazed because my current company is a service company. We have many clients with many environments in different clouds, uh, in Europe, in other parts of the world. So uh, many, many things to learn, many things to uh, research, to understand. And I was so amazed uh, that, uh, so at first, I was uh, working as a DevOps engineer, so it was my first job, my first position in this company. But after five months, uh, my team lead, uh, he noticed that I I am good at researching of new technologies because I was so amazed by the number of software, by the number of uh, clouds and uh, all, all the things. So I, I like to research the, uh, everything about them. To understand these technologies and after that uh, like the management of the company decided to move me from the devops team to r&d team yeah so uh, mostly i like i used to work as an r&d engineer got it and with that in mind how did you learn kubernetes you know in terms of resources books blogs podcasts like what's been your strategy in terms of learning kubernetes over time I have many books uh, in my house, on my shelf, uh, but there is no book about Kubernetes. Uh, I've never uh, had a chance to read one. Uh, but uh, 
probably I can say that I learned Kubernetes by uh, practicing, by working, by researching incidents with Kubernetes, by understanding why why is this thing working that way? Because uh, I think the practice is uh, 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 what what can help you um, understand more than you can read in books. For example, um, yesterday I found out that things uh, that you can put on your node in the cluster, they are unique by the key and effect. And it was so bizarre to me, like, why? Because tolerations, tolerations on, on your pod, uh, tolerations match things by the key effect value. But things are unique only by key and effect. Why? Why is this? Uh, I was searching history in GitHub. I was like finding blame, searching for a pull request, but uh, I didn't have a chance to find the root cause of this. Yeah, but this is just a thing, and I don't think you can learn it by reading the book or documentation only by uh, by working with the real production. Sounds good and makes sense. That hands-on experience is it's <laughs> difficult to match through other means. With that in mind, also, you know, Kubernetes or not, if you could go back, you know, in time and give yourself some career advice about anything to perhaps, you know, help you to be a better, a better manager or a better or a better engineer, what advice would you give to your previous self to to help you in in the past? This is a tough question uh, because I am pretty much satisfied with my career so far. And uh, I honestly, I don't know, maybe. Uh, so the the one, the one, only one tip. So maybe the one will be about uh, like not hesitating to ask for help because uh, it can save you like a lot of time, a lot of I don't know. Pain and suffering. Yeah. 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 So it's better to ask community for the solution because it, it can save you a lot of not only time, but the, like the de decrease your stress level a lot also. Absolutely. I completely agree. Make make community part of the solution. Don't suffer in silence. And and you'll find yourself later on helping other people by answering their questions and and you know paying it forward that way. That's great. For today's episode, we want to focus specifically on, you know, structured authentication config in Kubernetes version 1.29. So you mentioned your part of SigAuth. Can you just tell me again, you know, what do you focus on there? Initially, the idea of this feature uh, came from the team, one of team leaders of the SIG authentication, and they were searching for the person who can help with the implementation or with writing uh, the cap. And uh, firstly, I thought, uh, why why wouldn't I take the part and <laughs> try something new for myself? So I decided to participate. And uh, this feature is the, the most significant feature, I would say, that happened for with, with authentication in Kubernetes for past, I don't know, five years or something like this. Yeah, so basically the the idea of structured authentication config is that uh, there are a lot of flags 
that you can use to configure your API server. So you can go and check yourself like by typing minus minus help in your um, in your terminal and you will see like, I don't know, hundreds of flags you can set for your Kubernetes API server. And there are also flags that uh, to configure authentication. For example, you can, you can configure uh, authentication through OpenID Connect server by like by setting some flex there. And uh, this uh, is not flexible enough. So because you cannot set uh, many different options using the flex because uh, it's cumbersome approach. I don't know. It's not that that simple to set some, some options. Yeah, and um, this was the first reason to migrate from flex to the to some structured authentication config. This was the first reason. The second reason is that to change a flag, you need to restart the process of the API server. So it's not convenient because if you want to adjust authentication settings, you need to, so for example, if you have only a single master node in your cluster, you will, uh, this will be a downtime for you. Yeah, you don't want uh, to have downtimes a lot in your cluster. Yeah, it was the second reason. And the third reason, uh, to introduce this was to add all the features that were asked for the past five years, add more flexibility to, kind of, to configuration of authentication. So that's it. That's three points uh, I would like to mention. And we went to implement this thing from this point. And you know, just for clarification, can you define what is structured authentication config and why it's so important? So uh, basically, structured authentication config is a configuration file uh, with a defined structure that you can use to configure authentication. Uh, so it it aims to replace uh, previous like all the flags you previously used to configure it with a single flag that points to a config file uh, with the defined structure. This is it. And in, in this structure, uh, there are many more capabilities than it was before. Uh, so this is what, what, what it is about. The main, the main reason is to, to provide uh, the more suitable way for people to repre like represent a configuration for their authentication something like this. Good. Could you just briefly touch on, don't worry, we'll edit this out. Could you touch on the JWT compliant tokens, uh, changing configuration dynamically, and CEL to match tokens? Usually we talk about OpenID Connect uh, as, a, as, about, like, as a standard, but uh, Kubernetes, uh, to authenticate users, it's on, it only checks the, uh, your GVT with some checks. Like at first, it validates the signature of your token by going to uh, OpenID Connect uh, discovery endpoint, by finding the keys endpoint, by downloading the keys, and then by checking the GVT signature with these keys. Yeah, so this is how Kubernetes authenticates um, tokens, uh, like uh, external tokens. Yeah, then after that, it checks uh, your client, uh, for example, that the token issued for the particular client, the token is not expired, the token has 
the sub claim and uh, all this all this stuff the issuer claim uh, that issuer claim matches the url you used to request the open id connect uh, uh, discovery endpoint all these checks and only after this uh, kubernetes uh, uh, authenticates you and allows you to do a request yeah, this is what about uh, OpenID. But the the idea of GVT is that uh, it uh, it doesn't need to be specifically open issued by the OpenID Connect provider. It can be any GVT, and we can perform some additional checks. So we can turn off uh, the basic OpenID Connect uh, checks and write our own checks to authenticate the token. So it doesn't need to be uh, OpenID Connect complaint anymore. The, this was the, the main idea. You mentioned the new change, um, in, that the new change includes JWT compliant tokens. How does this affect users or operators installed in the cluster? And were the previous tokens not compliant? No, no, no. Uh, you're right. Uh, uh, previous tokens were also uh, JWT complained, but because uh, we want to support more providers and more formats of tokens, we don't call them OIDC, OIDC tokens anymore. So we call them just G, G, JWT tokens. Yeah, and uh, I believe that we use OpenID Connect only to authenticate users in the cluster, not for services and, and operators and uh, uh, other pieces of software are for the to authenticate software in your cluster. We usually use service account tokens and service accounts, and not IDC tokens. So IDC usually for the external users, for cluster administrators, cluster users, editors to authenticate someone from uh, outside of the cluster. This change introduces the ability to have multiple authentication pr uh, providers working together. Can you provide an example of what you mean there exactly? Mm, yeah, so previously with the set of flags, you could only set a single OpenID Connect provider. But now with structured uh, authentication config, uh, GVT provider is, is now an array, and you can set as many as you want. You can set, for example, your staging, OIDC provider and your production OIDC provider at the same time uh, for the same cluster and authenticate using one of these. But I guess the question is, you know, how does this work? If we're thinking about, we know, we understand, you know, what's being replaced, but how does this affect products like Keycloak? I don't think it affects any products, but uh, for example, uh, previously, because uh, you could set only single provider, there was uh, OpenID Connect servers like DEX, who act, uh, used to act as a proxy uh, OIDC provider. So for the in DEX, for example, um, previously, back in the days before structured authentication config, you could only connect a single OIDC provider to cluster. So you could connect DEX to your cluster, and in DEX, then, you could define uh, any number of uh, other OpenID Connect providers you wanted. Uh, and this was one of the use cases for DEX, just to be a splitter for Kubernetes.
to split, uh, to connect more than, than a single provider to Kubernetes. Uh, but now uh, Kubernetes can uh, do this without DEX, but I don't think it really affects uh, software like Keyclock. I I think like just now you can connect two Keyclocks at the same time to a cluster. Then this is cool, a cool feature. Good. Now the third change introduced in this KEP is the ability to check tokens with CEL. Can you give us wow. an example of, of what this might look like? Yeah, this was the main idea uh, behind the customization of token uh, validations. Uh, yeah, because uh, Cell was introduced for a couple of, uh, like for half of a year, it was introduced to validate the custom resource definitions. And uh, there were there were many ideas where Excel can be applicable. Uh, yeah, so and one of the ideas was to um, authenticate users uh, and how. So the first one was to uh, I wouldn't say validate uh, the token, but I would like to say. Uh, apply some uh, authentication policies to the token, like how how to authenticate the token. For example, uh, we can add uh, a custom check to check some groups in the token, or I don't know, to add the custom checks for expiration, for example. Uh, yeah, so this is possible with Cell because Cell is uh, um, flexible enough to do your like complex checks because this is an expression language yes and yeah so and then we decided to go further not only use cell to validate the claims of the token but also to validate the final list of user attributes so you know uh you, you can have many authentication policies to validate the incoming uh params but you also would like to have some Final validation that validates the user attributes that you that you got finally. Yes, yeah, so because user attributes they are extracted from the claims of the token. Yes, and uh, uh, this this is why so you can have some policies before uh, extracting user attributes with using cell, and you can also have some policies after authentication to validate the final result of of, of the user final user attributes. Yeah, so this is was uh, this was our idea to um, how how can we validate the token additionally. Yeah, and uh, this is not the only place where we use cell. Uh, cell is also used to extract the claims of the token to like to how to convert attributes from the token to user attributes of Kubernetes. For example, how to extract the name of the user from the token, how to extract groups of the token. And you can not only extract the groups from the token, but you can also do some modification like to prefix all the group or to add suffix to filter the groups, like many different things with cell. Uh, this is the second place. We call, we call this thing claims mapping, how to map claims to user attributes. Now, assuming the KEP is merged in uh, 1.29 as alpha, what's the roadmap for beta and GA? To be honest, I am not the part of the 
implementation team so i'm not working on the cap implementation and uh, i would say that this is totally fine in kubernetes you can uh, so uh, you don't need to be the person uh, who implements the cap if you took part of writing the cap and this is cool because in kubernetes community you can find your uh, your own place where you can <laughs> um, where you can contribute uh, to the project and how you can contribute yes so but uh, the roadmap is to implement all the features uh, mentioned in the cap and uh, also to fix uh, to cover some additional uh, use cases because uh, for example uh, to support multiple client ids uh, uh, because now in alpha as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, multiple clients' IDs uh, uh, they are not supported in the token, something like this. Uh, so, yeah, as far as I remember, like we need to gather more feedback from users. How? Um, so we want users to start using the feature and give us something. Yeah, and we also want to continue implementing the cap. This is the goal uh, for the beta release. Good. And if people want, you know, you mentioned, you know, community and, and different ways of getting involved. If people want to, you know, give feedback about the cap uh, or possibly also get involved in the project to contribute, how should they do that? Uh, how can you be involved in the process? Yes. Yeah. So um, I started by just writing some messages uh, on Slack. Uh, there are Slack channels for every team in Kubernetes, so you can just join at least and see uh, what people discuss, uh, like what bothers people. Yeah, some uh, some context of the of the channel. Yeah, then you can start asking questions or answering questions. This is also uh, as as I see, this is a good start, at least by sharing your knowledge. Yeah, and uh, there are usually also regular meetings that you can attend. Uh, basically, you can go to, so every two weeks, you can go to a meeting and listen to people proposing their ideas for new features or discussing some interesting bugs. And you can also discuss and take part in these meetings. And uh, later, you can propose your own caps, like uh, I did this year. So I also, introduced another cap uh, for the another API change connected to authentication this way. So just by reading their chat, thinking about uh, stuff and just uh, one day I went to the meeting and proposed the, like the change and the uh, leaders of the team, they all agreed for that it forced to be implemented. So that's it. Fantastic. Good. And really nice story that you yourself, you know, you know, building your own cap and, that, and that's possible as well. Um, yes. Great. So in terms of you personally, what are your next steps with this project, with any others that you're involved in? What, what are you going to be doing next? So I hope that uh, I have more ideas what can be fixed in Kubernetes because uh, I work with it a lot. So I believe that this year I will introduce some more changes, some more ideas to implement. Yeah, and I will also continue supporting DAX project, and uh, like by by taking the chance, uh, we are searching for more maintainers for DAX, uh, and 
like if you if you're interested you can contact me uh, uh yeah so that will be it and uh, i also plan to attend uh, conferences in europe so if you uh, a kcd fellow for example probably we will meet <laughs> uh, yeah that's it and uh, the plan is to the plan for the work is just to continue growing uh, continue developing the internal platform continue helping clients with their services with solving their complicated problems i hope will uh, will improve also in this field yeah okay sounds like a good plan is there anyone in um any people that you would like to give a shout out to who are instrumental in the cap i would like to shout out to give a shout out to mo uh he was uh, all the way through he was i would say my like my mentor i could ask him any questions and um he answered uh, always always uh, shared his ideas with me so uh, i'm glad that uh, i know such a great person yeah so shout out to mo uh, and uh, if it's possible i would also mm, i would like to give a shout out to mark mark is the second core maintainer uh, of dex project so mark <laughs> if you see me on TV, <laughs> if you hear me <laughs> on radio, hello. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Mo. Thank you, Mark. Well done. Good. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to get involved in the project? Like you said, Dex, you're looking for maintainers. What's the best way to do it? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, GitHub discussions, and uh, probably email. By priority, this is the list. Okay. All right. Well, Maxim, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate hearing from you and your experience and best of luck in the next steps. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh -huh.